Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Well, good morning. Before I get into the message, I just want to say three things. I kind of like the lady that read the scripture kind of partial. She's kind of beautiful to me. And no, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> Second, I do want to thank our pastor for having the confidence in me and presenting the Christmas uh, messages up to Christmas on Sunday mornings. I do appreciate that very much. And lastly is I, I just had this wonderful trip to the stage. I went through the, I think it's the gumdrop ocean and the candy cane forest, and I came out the Lincoln Tunnel. <laughs> That's what the sign said on the entrance to the stage, the Lincoln Tunnel. I don't know who put the sign there, but I laughed. It was good. Of course, that's an Elf reference, so if you haven't seen the movie Elf, I recommend it. This morning, we're gonna continue in the series of messages which we've called God's indescribable gifts. The ultimate gift that God has given us was demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ. And last week we had talked about that demonstration of love being his son. That is, his love is, 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 is an amazing description of what God has given us. This morning, we're going to look at the gift of forgiveness that we find in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. All of us have lived this year through the COVID-19 pandemic, and boy, it just seems like it will never end. It just keeps going on and on and on. And many businesses... Uh, throughout our nation uh, were hurting financially because of the restrictions that were placed upon them due to the pandemic. And the government offered then to help alleviate the stress, the responsibility businesses carry. I don't know. We'll try it for a little bit, and if it doesn't work, I'll go to the microphone. But we, we, we see the, the stress that they give, and, and the, 
government gave loans to the several businesses to alleviate the stress and the, the, the weight of the financial obligation that they had. And, uh, and so some of these, they called them PPE loans. And so businesses took out these loans. And what was wonderful is that the government turned around No. Can you hear me now? All right, so let me, let me start over. In March 19th, 1971, <laughs> I was going to tell you my life history. You got to love technology, don't you? All right. As I was saying, in 1970, no, just kidding. Um, so the government was, you know, did a wonderful thing for businesses by giving them loans. You know what a loan is, right? A loan is you're given money and then you're responsible for paying it back, debt. But what was wonderful about so many businesses is that there was a debt forgiveness program that if you met certain parameters, you did certain things, you applied, that your debt that through these PPE loans could be 100% taken care of. In other words, some companies got hundreds and thousands of dollars in a loan that they never had to pay back. That's amazing, isn't it? Similarly, each and every one of us has a debt. It's a sin debt. And that sin debt, it is impossible for us to pay back. And so God, in his wisdom and his love, gave us the ultimate debt forgiveness program through his son, Jesus Christ. That is amazing. And so we come to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. As the video portrayed, maybe you're here this morning thinking about what truly is the meaning of Christmas. We go around town, we see all the wonderful lights, and we see you know, people talking about, and maybe you've considered what I'm going to buy my you know, loved one, my children, my grandchildren. Boy, it's going to get expensive. What, what, we might think about a lot of different things, but... The ultimate reason for Christmas is Jesus and what he has given and the reason that he was given to us as the ultimate gift. I want you to consider this morning that debt forgiveness is the reason Jesus was born. If you notice in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, it says, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Now notice, for he will save his people from their sins. That's a wonderful verse. Joseph was given this assurance of, 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 of marrying Mary and being a part of this just majestic birth because it will be Jesus who will save or deliver or rescue his people from their sins. 
And so someone says, you might, you might hear Christians say, you know, I'm saved. Uh, I remember, you know, in several conversations, I may use that term with those that might not be familiar with church or the Bible, and they'll say, saved from what? Or you might say, hey, you need to be saved. And they say, well, I'm on good footing. I, I, why do I need to be saved from? And so we all need to be saved, but we need to think of it this way. We all need to be delivered or rescued from our sin. Because sin, I guess I should advance this earlier, because sin is the most destructive force in our lives. It is. I want to share with you just briefly four facts concerning sin. Four facts. That sin is inherently given to us at conception. You know, we all need to understand that the reason that we might steal or we might commit murder is because we all have a sin nature. It's not as if, okay, I become a sinner once I do these acts. No, we do these acts because inherently we are sinners by nature. The Bible says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Since the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned against God, sin and its penalty has been passed on from generation to generation, and not any of us are exempt of having a sinful nature, nor facing its consequence. Secondly, sin is not only inherently given to us at conception, sin results in death. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All that sin earns is death. You see, what happened when, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve could have lived forever. They were created perfect. But when they sinned against God, God told them that the moment you, you take the bite of that forbidden fruit, you shall surely die. And what happened was they died spiritually and the process of dying began. Their bodies began to break down and they began to face the reality of their mortality. And we face that same consequence today. My shoulder was feeling pretty good last couple of weeks. And then, because I do every year, because I like to make my wife happy, I put up Christmas lights on the house. After I was done, I realized, man, it's sore again. Glasses. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go back to the eye doctor and get a new prescription because things are not reading as they once were. I'm getting old. You see, it all began on March 19, 1971. <laughs> but we all in some way have felt the effects of our sinful nature. 
whether through disease, through age, through catastrophe, through disasters, there's sin in the world. We, we are all impacted by it, and we have to face the reality of it in our lives. Sin results in death. But more tragically, what sin does with death, it separates us from God who loves us. Sin separates us from God. You know, one of the very first acts after Adam sinned, guess what he did? He hid from God. You realize that? Now, God knew where he was at, but God came walking through the garden to the cool of the day and said, Adam, where are you? Adam knew he sinned, and he, it, it separated from that moment. And the Bible tells us, for if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So I want you to notice the highlighted words for a moment. What sin does is it causes us to be enemies. In some Bible translations, it talks about that we are at enmity with God. We are against God. We are opposed to God. We are enemies and need of reconciliation. Now, God has never moved from his position. God has never sinned against humanity. It was us that has, has, had moved away. It is us that, that separated ourselves from God because of our, our sin nature. And God wanted to reconcile us because we were at enmity. And so in order to rescue us, to deliver us, he gave us the ultimate gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Sin, then, has a cure. It's his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can be reconciled to God except through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. So what does sin tell us then? Well, sin tells us that we have a debt which we can never pay. There is, there is, there is not enough good works that we can do to pay our sin debt. We, we, could, we, could, we could be the perfect church member. We can give all that we have. We can volunteer on every, everything that the church does, and that still would not be good enough. Because, you see, we're not saved or rescued by our works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We can never pay our sin debt. But Jesus was born that payment that we owe, that we could never pay, would be made on behalf of all of us. Isn't that wonderful? The reason Jesus was born is that he might save mankind from their sins. Christmas should remind us of that purpose. Why did Jesus come? To rescue us from our sin. 
That we, that we can be delivered from, from, from what we owe, that we can be given life, eternal life, and forgiveness of sins. You understand that the Bible talks about forgiveness a number of times, and the idea of forgiveness is to let go. I love biblical descriptions of forgiveness. Oftentimes in Scripture, it talks about God removing our sins as far as from the east is to the west. He talks about taking our sins and burying them in the depths of the sea. He talks about our sins that when we're forgiven, that he'll not hold it over our heads any longer. They are gone because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. He made our payment for our sin. But you see, debt forgiveness requires the right kind of payment. You see, many people might think, well, is Jesus the one that's qualified to make the payment? And the answer is absolutely yes. He is the only one. There is no other person that is qualified for God's debt forgiveness program than his son, Jesus. Not one. You see, because it required a powerful conception. A powerful conception. Notice that, that, that Mary conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand that this was a miraculous conception. A miraculous conception where, where the Holy Spirit came upon her according to the Gospel of Luke and she conceived when she, was, she yet did not know a man. She was a virgin. Why is this important? Because you see, it's through the seed of man by which the sin nature is passed on. And Jesus does not have an earthly father. He is without sin. So at this time, all you ladies, when your children act up and they're, they're sinful little devils that they are, you can blame your husband. See? <laughs> it's because of you. I'm teasing, but it's true. But man passes on the sin nature. Jesus then miraculously conceived as qualified through this power conception because he is a man, but yet God that is sinless. And only a sinless sacrifice could make it possible for our sin debt to be forgiven. And Jesus meets that qualification because of a powerful conception. Secondly, it required a protective birth. I know that sounds maybe a little strange, but let me explain. You see, we see in this Bible story of Joseph's interaction with the angel that the angel had told him to consider, to continue, proceed in marriage to Mary. 
We see in Matthew 1.24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Do you understand that in the day and age in which Mary and Joseph lived, uh, for Mary to be unwed and pregnant could result in her own death. They were engaged to be married, which was a contractual obligation in that time. Joseph had all the rights to not proceed with marriage, but look, in God's ultimate plan, in protection of Mary, God said, Joseph, you need to continue to, to, to proceed in marriage with her. Then secondly, protected by Joseph, ensuring Mary's purity. Because Jesus, it was necessary for Jesus, for Jesus to be virgin-born. And so the scripture tells us, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. So what Joseph did was he was part of God's plan in ensuring that there would be no question that the perfect sin-debt sacrifice would not only be without sin, but it would be miraculous and he would be virgin-born. Because thirdly, it required a certain prophecy to be fulfilled. Matthew 1.23 quotes Isaiah 7.14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus had to fit that qualification. Through the powerful conception, through the protection that God uh, ensured about Mary, Jesus fulfilled this very prophecy. So think about this. God became one of us. You see, the Bible says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Divine. God became man and lived among us because he was the only qualified one that could pay our sin debt. The only one to satisfy our sin debt. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2.2, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. In the King James Version, this word atoning is translated propitiation. Now say that ten times. Propitiation. No, I was just kidding. You don't have to say it ten times. But propitiation, atoning. If you want to understand the word a little bit better, it, was, it really is kind of the word that gives us the idea that what Jesus did on the cross 
and his blood being shed satisfied, atoned for. It was the propitiation that our sins could be forgiven and that we could be rescued from our sins. And Jesus is the only one qualified to do that. So let me ask you, the reason for Christmas, the reason we celebrate is the gift that God gave to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The gift as an expression of his devotion because he loved us. He demonstrated through the death of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. The meaning of Christmas was to remind us that that babe that was born in Bethlehem was for the purpose that we could be delivered, rescued, forgiven of our sins. And it is only through Jesus in which we can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And only through him. There's nothing that we can do. We can't purchase it. We can't work for it. We can only humbly accept by faith the gift that God is offering each of us. The gift of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. To me, that is an ultimate, ultimate gift. So I want to ask you this morning, if you just stand with me for just a moment. And maybe if you would just bow your head and just close your eyes. And let us reflect on why Jesus came. And perhaps you're here this morning and you've yet to cry out to Jesus to rescue you from your sin. I would ask you to come forward. Our pastor's in front. If you would come, maybe you need to counsel with him to pray. We just invite you to step out where you are to come. Perhaps this morning you just need some prayer. Maybe your life has, you know the Lord, you're saved, and your life has gone off track. And yes, even though we are rescued from our sins, we still have the capacity to sin. But I'm so thankful the Bible says that Jesus is just and able to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can pray to Jesus today to forgive you, and guess what? He will. It is the greatest gift we have is forgiveness. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, for your devotion to us. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for giving your Son as the ultimate sacrifice that we could have eternal life. Father, we pray if there are those here that have yet to call upon you,
and receive your free gift of salvation. Father, I pray that they won't leave here today without knowing you. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for all who you are. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.